Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning even. Who knows where I may find you. Whomever, however, whatever, animal, vegetable or mineral, this is Agitators Anonymous and this is Alan Averill. Well, 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 50 episodes, 50 episodes. Who knew? Well, it was fairly predictable, I suppose. Fairly predictable, as it's always been in my head to do a podcast, even before we started off on this strange journey. It was there. Um, I recorded several test podcasts years ago, and the idea was, of course, to snag fellow musicians at festivals and ask them strange and curious questions. But fate had another path for us to go down. And so it is normal upon your 50th podcast, I suppose, or your 100th or whatever else, to perform a little act of introspection to maybe consider what you have learnt, what you haven't learnt, to have a look at some of the pros, some of the cons. God damn it, many of you are probably sick of me talking about the cons. And God damn it, there are indeed many of them, which I'll get to. But this is the second time that I've recorded this. The first time was a early morning, well, for me, early morning, rapid-fire, speed metal version of this. And then I thought, well, if there's something I've learned doing this, it's that in the dead of night is somehow when these things work better for me. There's a more measured tone. There's more consideration. 
And certainly that early speed metal version was a little bit unhinged because for sure things have been a little bit unhinged lately. But I've alluded to that many times. So what I'm going to do is what we're going to do is play a little, well, I'm going to play it, um, a little word association to take us to the end of episode 50. And then I have a whole bunch of uh, Zoom interviews, a whole bunch of uh, discussions with other people lined up and ready to go. I guess I wanted to just sort of hit the 5-0 running. And, well, I suppose what do we do then? But head for the next 50 in lockdown, my friends. But, so what I'm going to do is play a little word association with myself. Humor me, humor me. Um, so, but first of all, let's get to the first ad read and get some of that stuff out of the way www.hatecouture616.com You use the promo code Alan and you will get free shipping which let me tell you now is no mean feat as shipping Um, I paid today 15 euro to send a vinyl to the United States 15 euro hardly seems worth it you'd swear they want small businessmen to go out of business huh? well we won't get to that just yet but HateCouture616.com Loads of nasty, evil, hateful yet tasteful apparel and t-shirts. The veneration of serial killers and tyrants, don't you know? Go and have a look. Anyway, so episode 50. Episode 50 from the dark and addled mind of Nem Thianga, which means he of the evil tongue, by the way. Nem is evil, and Tiang, you can probably hear in the syntax, it sounds similar to language. Well, it does to me anyway. Tiang is tongue. Nem Tianga. Given to me by Kiron of Primordial way back in the day, I think 92 or something. Um, I'd picked something else that was pretty ridiculous, and he said, oh, what about the Nem Tianga? Sorry, Kiron. That's the, his voice I've been doing in my head for the last 30 years, but there you go. Um Anyway, so little word association. What have we learned? Ups and downs. I haven't made columns. I haven't made one side and then the other. So the words are just going to come out and we'll see where it takes us. Well, it was for sure an anus horribilis, as the Queen Mom used to say, I suppose. Um, the anus horribilis, the horrible year. Yes, indeed, it's been a very trying year. There's no doubt about that. The podcast has served as some sort of therapy, I suppose. No doubt one of many, many podcasts that have appeared um, under all shapes and sizes over the last year. Many of them trying to give you things to avoid the situation or cheer you up or looking at the bright side of life. I certainly can't say that that's been my particular journey, Um, but I would start off by saying thank you for being part of that strange and curious and dark journey. Um, There's been precious few musicians I found who have been willing to sort of speak out um, about some of the things that have been happening, about venturing into politics, about um, being honest about, well, honest is maybe not the right word, but addressing some of these problems. It seems like the entire music industry has just been holding its breath, waiting to see what happened. At least at the beginning of this, Um, Within a week or two of starting the podcast, I fired out the information to lots of online heavy metal periodicals and magazines, and nobody really wanted to seem to talk to me. I suppose in indignation, I thought to myself, what could be more interesting than what musicians are doing 
during lockdown, seeing as you've all made your living off the back of them for so many years. But seems not. Seems most people wanted content, which was, Alan, can you give us a video of your five favorite vintage shirts? So not only now do I have to be an out-of-work musician, uh, I now have to be employed for nothing being a TV presenter now. I have to have a whole other side to my persona to add to the content creation. Content creation. Content creation. That's what we all seem to be corralled into becoming. This idea of remote living, remote working. It funneled us all into this strange pen whereby the idea, I suppose, of art, of being creative, was now really removed and reduced to numbers, or at least the watching of numbers. It was reduced to your reach and your influence. And I released a record in the middle of all this, a Dread Sovereign record, which I'm immensely proud of. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. It took a long time to record and make and the tone and the artwork. And in reality, you were really just reduced to being a mathematician, to just looking at numbers as they moved, going, oh, well, we had 14,000 monthly listeners this month. Oh, it's down to eight. And then the cycle is kind of over and you move on or at least the music industry moves on because there seems no end of bands willing to release records now. Of course, you're young and enthusiastic and um, you're still making your music. For somebody who was a, who made their living as a traveling, touring musician, this, of course, this year was the death knell for all of that. The Anos Horribilis, as I said, you can have that for a name of your um black metal band if you want but don't be surprised if somebody removes one of the ends and calls you anus horribilis I suppose well that's them's the breaks aren't they um, yeah I mean as a travelling musician this was of course the end of the road so to speak pun intended what was it like to be a musician within this trying time um, because that's my wheelhouse of expertise I suppose some people um, every now and again leveled against me that I was somehow speaking from some kind of strange privileged position and I said well it's not really privileged if you've worked 30 years to get to that point I would say that's not really the right word but they seemed to I suppose in a mild way as many people did because they were stuck inside all the time resent the fact that you were discussing what you'd lost um, and that thing that you'd lost seemed fantastical to a lot of people, i.e. standing on a stage, etc. But I tried to address that in the podcast, at least the idea that um, me banging a drum and you dancing in a, in a circle um, is one of the oldest expressions known to man, and that was removed from people. The idea that um, somebody said to me, why do you give a fuck about the theatre? You never went. Good point, I never did go. But the idea that something as old as that human expression could just be removed in an instant. And now, a year later, as I did bang that drum a year ago, trying to warn people, there is the possibility that it doesn't return as we knew. Um, an attempt to alter thousands and thousands of years of human emotion and experience and our humanity towards each other, an attempt to remove it. Um, at least would seem to me to be underway. But maybe I've just gone mad. And as I said many times in the podcast, in six months, you can hand me a drink at a festival and go, Alan, you lost your mind a little bit along that way, along that path that you chose. Yeah. 
I would be the first to admit that. We all went a little bit feral, a little bit wild, a little bit um, raw. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't when kept inside all day? Um, undergoing periods of long-term periods of isolation. Dublin, as I said many times, has been the longest lockdown with the strictest lockdown in the whole of the Eurozone. Possibly in the whole world. I'm not really too sure. I don't know what's going on in Yemen or the Philippines or Venezuela. Who knows? But certainly it's been a long, long time. Um, and it felt as a musician, having to cope with no live shows at all, it really made me question what was the worth of releasing music because very often um, playing the live shows and the traveling was almost the reward. It was the reward you got at the end for your perseverance, for your focus, for the many hours spent in the studio going over and over and over re um, redubs. I'm not, as I said before, uh, somebody who enjoyed the tedium of that kind of thing immensely. Of course, it's great on one level, but to only make music like that I suppose I said blithely and in mild fury that if that was going to be taken away, then what would be the purpose of making any more heavy metal? Which seems, on the face of it, a relatively extreme sentiment, but something I do stand by um, because the artery of rock and roll is touring. Um, it's not to be, I suppose, a hip-hop artist playing a virtual gig in the middle of a game. That's not what we are. And so if that's something that everybody is quite, you know, ambivalent about it dying, then the theory is that, um, well, not the theory, but the drum I've been banging for a year is that it could indeed be under pressure, under pressure to come back. Because as I've said, if distancing stays, we got a problem. Rock and roll's got a problem. But I very often find myself, was I misunderstood in some of the things that I said, I suppose, here and there? By and large, I found that 90-odd percent of you were very positive towards the things that I was saying. Um, the numbers grew. People were obviously sharing it peer-to-peer -peer and all that kind of thing, um, as, of course, articles seem to be very short and thin on the ground for um, what I would have thought might have been an interesting story, but perhaps not. Not until the Dread Sovereign album actually came out was I able to kind of talk about some of my feelings towards what might happen towards lockdown, towards its implications for the music industry. It kind of felt like the music industry was just burying its head in the sand and not really wanting to come up for air and acknowledge what might be happening. I understand that to a certain degree. I understand for fans, they're not privy to some of the machinations of the booking industry or any of those kind of things. But when you made a simple observation connected one dot to another and I would say to somebody hey how does venue how does a venue get insurance in this new world unless they install all of those track and trace new whatever they are I don't know those new measures like you scan when you go into the airport or the new ventilation system or who knows maybe an unelected um Health and safety bot gives you green light go, red light stop, and you don't get your um, new health and safety QR code. Then you just what? You don't have gigs? And when I said that to many people, they went, oh, and I don't mean to sound self-aggrandizing. I don't expect any most people to know or consider the machinations of the music industry in the same way. But when you said that, a lot of people went, oh, yeah, insurance. Okay. 
My, as you can tell, my word association is going a bit astray, but, you know, let's keep going. Anger. How did we deal with anger? I tried to deal with some elements of masculinity, of the things that were removed from us, the coping mechanism. I found it almost impossible without gym, without sports, without an outlet for energy. And it made me quite, um, it made me dwell a lot on how that energy gets um, expunged, expelled into the world and how much negative energy must be pent up that can't, that has nowhere to go. And it's an energy that has been, that has made me, I suppose, consider how we relate to our coping mechanisms, i.e. my um, coping mechanism was to just run. Every day, five, up to 15 kilometers, just running. Got to go. Got to get the energy out. And as I said before, that was a very big pro about the year. I realized I can cope. Are you the things you sing about or are you not? What is your willpower in relation to this? Do you have the willpower that you sang about before? All of the, Are all the things that you sang about within a band artificial? That was a very great question to consider. And I think, in apart from a few stumbles and a few falls and a few things that are natural, yeah, we've, I found a coping mechanism, as maybe a lot of you did with, within metal, within the music that you liked. You found um, uplifting stories of rebellion, of coping, of, um, of heroism within heavy metal music because that's part of what makes heavy metal the thing that it is it's that um, the prizing of being the you know going against the grain all those kind of things so I, it was a long hard look inside to go are you the thing that you sing about and it's ongoing that's an ongoing process um, the stoicism involved in that do you have the willpower to get through this and come out the other side are you a skeptic or a cynic well I always thought of myself as a skeptic foremost in that I wanted to ask questions. I always asked questions, but I found in the last year veering into cynicism, very often with people who were unwilling to connect dot one to dot two to dot three. I understand they had their own coping mechanism, which maybe was sometimes I'm not willing to go to that dark place or to those waters. I'm not willing to allow the raft to drift that far out into the waters because there might not be uh, any coming back mentally. This, I totally understand. But being a skeptic or a cynic, that was a very big question. Um, and I found that my the periods within this year where I was a skeptic very often were greeted with cynicism by other people. And that's, I think, a, that was one of the saddest, I suppose, not sad is not the right word, but demoralizing realizations is that the things that you cared about or considered to be of um, fundamental structures, fundamental values of society, of civilization, kind of mattered less to other people, um, whether that was opinions about liberty, freedom, sovereignty, things that I would have thought would have been very important to most people, regardless of the situation, i.e., um, if health and safety is going to be prized over liberty, well, we need to keep an eye on liberty. We need to keep an eye on democracy. We need to keep, we need to hold power to account. But as I said before in the podcast, if anybody can give me an example of when the citizens of any nation or city state throughout history handed over every freedom, 
every freedom to the agents of power and institutions of state and got them all back. I'd like to know what that is because it's not true. It never happened. Maybe. Someone has an example somewhere, but I doubt it. There's always um, crisis actors, you could say. Not crisis actors is not the right word, but agents of disaster, disaster capitalism, people who rush in to fill the gap. They rush in to fill the gap and they're delighted with these new rules. They create new economies um, around this disaster. And it's sure, it's surely evident now to even the most ardent supporters of lockdown that something else is moving in the deep water that is making inroads, that is manipulating the situation. That at least is my opinion. But yet, to be sceptical, um, which I think is the rational perspective, was greeted with howls of derision by many people. Um, that you were sceptical of um, society placing its freedom in the hands of big pharma somehow seemed to be highly controversial, which to me was made no sense. Oh, I see. Okay. So the same system that created the opioid crisis is now the one that you, um, you know, you place all of your concepts of freedom within seemed to be to be somewhat naive. Um, but there you go. People howled you down. If you, if you, as I said many times before, supported people's inalienable right to protest, which we see being removed by governments across Europe right now. People's inalienable right to protest. Would they have said it so quickly if they were observing the Arab Spring or people rebelling against um, authoritarian, um, plutocratic, autocratic? Are those the right words? Possibly. Who knows? Um, regimes in the Middle East, would they have been so quick to, to um, denounce people standing up for the right to protest as somehow being on akin to QAnoners, to 5Gers, to the alt-right. Very, very strange. I don't really poll, hold much stock in the left and right analysis anymore because I think it's almost irrelevant. It's kind of pointless. I think it's almost more like what is the religious and the non-religious, so to speak. But certainly it was clear that the signposts on the way to authoritarianism seemed to be very welcoming for some people. An awful lot of people dusted off their old uniforms, the uniforms of mentality, and slipped back into certain modalities within their view of life. And it seemed to me that an awful lot of people who should have known better very, very quickly decided that the, let's say, the implementation of authoritarianism and the acceptance of its control over your life under the rubric of health and safety became more important than keeping a watchful eye um, who watches the watchers, so to speak, than keeping a watchful eye on the grubby hands of authoritarianism. And here we are within the living proof of that, how shall we say, that dereliction of duty that we all should have had. And I, in my own small, insignificant way as the singer of Every Metal Band, attempted to bang the drum for that and was largely called by, I suppose, the body politic or the many, many people as being, you know, as I said before, a little bit manic, a little bit paranoid. Are you a conspiracy theorist? Far from, far from. Um, obviously, it is the rational thing to ask questions about the situation that you are in. Follow the science, Alan. Follow the science. Follow the science. Many people 
I felt misunderstood, misunderstood the nature of that phrase because the scientific method updates itself with new information. Um, the rational analysis of empirical data updates our model, our view of science. Science isn't um, a staid thing. It doesn't stand still. But yet, many of the systems by which we, the systems now of, let's call them what they are, um, the systems of lockdown were modeled on um, a certain science that seemed to not update. And here we are. But many people just told me, follow the science. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't think you understand what that word means. And I don't mean that out of, um, with a lack of hubris, or I don't mean that um, to be self-aggrandizing, because I think many, many people um, swallowed, um, you know, without question, much of the mainstream narrative that surrounded the last year. And we must address that. The next word on my association list is the mainstream media. I mean, we have seen and I've seen very clearly with our own mainstream media here in Ireland the unwillingness to rock the boat when it comes to questioning the state, to question the politicians, to questioning the motives became um, none of them wanted to be, let's say, held over the moral coals and the, their feet put to the fire in a year or two if they had um, underestimated the nature of the situation we're in. Nobody wanted to do that. And I also would imagine they're all working skeleton crews, just cutting and pasting and sending in their articles. Nobody really wants the hassle. Everybody just wanted to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and order some food and do what they were told. Or at least that is what we were told to do, so to speak, um, by Mr. Bezos. But here we go. Here we are, mainstream media questioning the narrative, but yet being backed up by big tech censorship. Those two, that word, that sentence alone should have sent alarm bells ringing for many, many people. Many, many clever people. Many, many people who should have been using some of their time to some, observe some rational analysis about what was going on. But no, they just, well, went, oh, well, you know what? Who cares? I'm going to use the time for, um, I suppose, projecting my holistic attitudes of the world onto this situation or let's just ignore it or come on Alan surely that's not going to happen you know but I found some more humanity in small gestures like I said there's pros and cons on this list there's maybe more cons than pros but we'll get to them they come along I found more humanity in small gestures from friends people maybe things that I hadn't noticed before over the last couple of years because my life was so hectic and was spent rushing around in the pursuit of sex, drugs and rock and roll, um, that some of those small gestures had indeed been um, missing here and there. And so you recognize them because people were struggling in their own way to sense make. And how that became such a huge problem, sense making, how you can make sense when it's clear that you are aware that you're being played by your algorithm the um, hypernormality of the situation, the idea, the cognitively dissonant idea that two opposing points of view can be true at the same time and very clearly true. And you're also being told that both of them or 50 of them are true and are not true at the same time. But your, your how shall we call it, your method of sense making, um, 
the method of methodology of sense making has been more or less destroyed because you are inside at the um, behest of the screen of your algorithm. Um, you know, that's another one of my 50 words. You obviously knew that was coming. But it's true. You found that your ability to sense make had been removed from you. Um, and that was one of the most, I suppose, discombobulating things. I suppose one of the most confusing things. The idea that there was no line in the sand. There was no date to work towards. Um, our, sh our vision of a shared reality had been shattered and broken. Now, I believe that had been shattered and broken a long time ago. And then we're at the end of a 10-year derangement cycle of social media, which has driven us into these polarized ideas about the world and had us all at our throats, leaving that very same 1% to rush through the gap. 10 years ago, the Occupy movement tried to address them. And now they support the same movements because they realized that that was much easier morally than changing. And so they just fed the, fed the flames of identity politics. And they also understood that at the heart of that was a form of um, religious belief that welcomed authoritarianism. They welcomed intervention from the state. Save us from those who would commit acts of hate speech and microaggressions and all of those kind of things. Cancel them, deplatform them, all that kind of stuff. And I found many of my fellow musicians very quiet on the subject. Maybe. They're just waiting it out. Maybe they've more sense than me. As I said, my ability to sense make and hit the skids itself. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't have found their ability to sense make um, under threat? The second ad read will be metalblade.com. If you're in North America, put the promo code AA podcast and you'll get 10% off your order. And that will mean, who knows? The new Cannibal Corpse album, Old Trouble albums, Old Slayer, Primordial, blah, blah, blah. 40 years of history. Go and have a look, metalblade.com. And yes, indeed, sense-making. I can also, I would hold my hand up to many of these things. Many of the things that I'm saying, and in my own way, I suppose, proselytizing about, hypothesizing about, criticizing people for, I'm not saying I'm not privy to some of the same machinations, to some of the same, I'm not suggesting for a moment that I am, incorruptible to these um, elements of human fragility. No doubt. No doubt I am. But when your ability to sense-make has been so severely debilitated, because if you think about it, those evenings where you sat there with a pint with a few friends and somebody went, ah, come on, Alan, you don't, you surely don't fucking believe that, really? And you went, well, what do you mean? And they go, look. And then they will give you their spiel their story ah now look or they've read the book that you neglected to read you said you read it but you really just looked at the back cover or did you really understand that brochure nah you just flicked through it and looked at a few pictures but the friends we have around us to hold us in check to hold our insanity in check the reins were gone because we were well isolated away from the people who would help us make sense of this situation and that's one of the most um, I suppose one of the most uh, amoral things of this whole situation, that people have had their um, humanity removed from them. Anti-humanism is my next word. It's a word I've been saying a lot because I've been trying, I suppose, in my own small, insignificant way to get people to use it because it is anti-human. 
when I see the Arts Council of Ireland suggesting they're going to build streaming platforms, green screen rooms in every town, I think to myself, build a venue, get young people to volunteer in, encourage people to be in a room together. What bands do you think are coming into that green screen room to rehearse when you've given them nowhere to rehearse, nowhere to play? Anecdotally, there are no rehearsal rooms in Dublin anymore, Dublin city centre, I mean, because there are no gigs for bands to play. The gig economy is gone. Many musicians who were friends of mine who would have been folk musicians, trad musicians who played two or three nights a week and then they went away for Paddy's Day or they went away a couple of times a year and they were able to eke out a living keeping an element of Irish culture alive. The old songs, traditional music, traditional culture, the Shano songs in their own way. Gone. Silenced for a year. And to what pubs or spaces do they come back to? Do they have to sit behind a plastic screen and play their trad to a few empty, lonely space tables? It seems highly likely they will. And when I really think about it, how will our gigs be? Is a punk rock gig going to be allowed with 250 people pogoing around, heavily breathing on each other, sweating, a band singing, noise, electricity? When I really think about it in my heart of hearts, it seems very unlikely unless the people decide they don't want to live by these rules and say to the states that they've chosen to live in and the states let's say it clearly these states have been established by people who gave their lives for the freedom to say yes or no to these um, technocratic authoritarian rules until they say no we want to have our culture back our civic society, our social society. Because, mark my words, if distancing stays, there isn't any. So, anti-humanism. Um, if it continues, then yeah, it, uh, it will change the face of our social culture forever. And this doesn't seem... There are certain people within our system and states of um, institutions of power who don't really... either haven't connected dot one and dot two. Um, I'd love to be privy to that Arts Council conversation at the table um, when dot one which is if we support this level of anti-humanism won't it encourage people to not meet oh right okay hey I'm in a band sorry can I put my hand up and say you realise what you're doing here anyway anyway I digress I digress biometrics polarisation yes we're in the grip of a 10 year cycle of social media derangement I think that has made people so polarized. I said it in the podcast before, politics on a state and, a, you know, it's on a, sometimes I think of it on a simplistic scale of one to nine and five being in the middle. But if one, which is, let's say, the far left and nine is the far right, if one calls for four, five, sixes, the seven, eight, nines, look, and vice versa. It's a very simplistic way of looking at things. And maybe I should explain it a bit more. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it at all. But for sure, even a simple post, I post um, sometimes a quote by Hobbes or Rousseau or Camus or something. And there's always somebody who gets really angry at the inference that um, I support liberty. Liberty. OK, I understand that in America the concept of libertarianism is different. But fundamentally, is it not personal liberty over um, personal liberty instead of big governance? I don't know how anybody fundamentally would object to the idea of their own autonomy, their own sovereignty, my body, my choice, right? How would you, how could you really fundamentally object to liberty only 
if you were objecting to the person who said it because of who they were. And of course, criticizing me um, on those terms is like shooting a big fish in a little tiny barrel. It's pretty easy, really. Um, but there you go. That's what happened. And this polarization, I don't blame everyone for that because they've been siloed into these um, camps for years. But what fascinates me is that the same people, um, the 1% who everybody was objecting to in the banking crisis and all that kind of stuff, are now the same people fueling the identity politics um, crusade, which is, you know, let's be honest, as I said before in the podcast, when something ceases to be an object of reason and becomes an article of faith, well, then you can't really argue with people who believe the earth is flat. That's just not the way things are because they're fighting a war. And so your sense making doesn't make any sense because it's irrelevant to winning or whatever else. And so health and safety Uber Alice is what I have written next. I don't know why I added the flourish of Uber Alice. I even put an umlau over the U. Well, I did. Health and safety. What does that mean? It could literally mean everything or anything. Um, don't worry. I said one of my one of the posts that got the most irritation from people was when I said the average man doesn't want freedom. He wants to be safe. And I don't know if people were vaguely insulted at the idea that I was calling them average. I don't know if I was. But the idea that um, an unelected board of health and safety officials will decide your public expression, which is very possible, seemed to me to be utterly Stalinist in its objective utterly fascist, who burnt the books, who went out initially after all of the artists, um, the polemics, the cartoonists, anybody who could, um, anyone who could satirize them. These systems of governance attacked all of them. They attacked all of them because they knew that one of the few ways to attack a system was through artistic means or whatever else you want to call it. I digress. I move sideways across that. But the idea that the application for your health and safety QR code to put on that gig you want to put on, um, that you won't get it because of biometrics, because the biometric passport has discovered a transgression from the system. Who knows? Of course, of course, the idea that the whole of Europe is going to be turned into some social Chinese currency system. It is, in a sense, far-fetched. Um, not that far-fetched, and certainly elements of it. I suppose if you have, if you are an agent of the 1% authoritarian um, idealists, if you overreach, you might get 20% of what you aim for. I don't know. It's sort of classic thinking, really, isn't it? Um, you know, always ask for more than you imagine you'll get. But at the same time, the idea that um, People have no risk anymore. As many people have said, the idea that we have to stop living in order to never die, even though we do die anyway. You get one chance at this life, at spin around this ball of dirt. Um, one chance at the joy and ecstasy and humanity and whatever else. And to have that more or less taken for fear of dying, what would be the purpose in living? And that was certainly something that I thought an awful lot about. And I think that many people couldn't cope with that because we've all known somebody who's killed themselves in the last year. Many, many people. In fact, um, I think most people would know somebody close to them who has died or who has killed themselves. 
Are the health and safety officials going to address that at some stage? The suicide epidemic of people who have felt helpless, powerless, purposeless. Human beings are, they will not be able to work towards that line in the sand unless they have purpose. And when that purpose is completely taken from them um, and no end in sight, is it a, is it a, is it a surprise that when I speak to family, family friends who are, and family members who are medics, they talk about how many people they have to cut down from the rafters every week? It's not really surprising at all. Um, but I don't hear anybody talking about it. I don't see it on the front of the paper. Certainly not. Um, because nobody's willing to, uh, you know, it's just something that nobody wants to talk about. The child abuse, the rape, all of the dark things that fall in line from holding people um, inside for a year. And the things that will come, whether from unchecked screenings and cancers and all sorts of illnesses and that's before we even begin to deal with the financial impl implications. Now, it's not so hard to understand where my feelings lie in relation to all of this in the podcast. And I've felt it my duty to try and be honest about that, to be straightforward, to say that, yes, I am a skeptic. I have questions. No, I don't belong to this group or that group. And not only shaming you for saying, but the idea that um, just by asking questions, it's implied the idea that, as I said, sovereignty, freedom and liberty somehow align you um, with people who would wish the exact opposite. Very strange. Optimism. Do I have optimism? I always have a little bit of optimism. Now, that may be unusual for some people who've been listening to Primordial or any of my music for the last 30 years because the music isn't imbued with optimism. It's, it's imbued with a fighting spirit, a sense of revenge a sense of individuality, a sense of going against the grain, a sense of dissent, a sense of martyrdom, a sense of freedom, no doubt. Um, but there's always that glimmer of optimism of the human spirit that is able to conquer in the face of adversity. And these are perhaps the testing times for that. As I said at the beginning, are you the thing you sing about or not? Well, that remains to be seen. But I think to live in this system this not the system this moment in time without some form of optimism and of course the idea that it could just all fade away in six or nine months and be just looked upon like a a bad dream in a year or two and people just get back to their lives but somehow it doesn't feel like that to me it feels like a seismic shift in culture and society and as i said before when i was joking in the early podcasts i really thought the end of days might be give me a bit more bang for my buck be a little bit less drudgery and mundanity and a bit less boring. I use the word police state often and people get angry with me. I realise that with different people you have to calibrate the words differently. If you say the same thing with slightly different words but the implications are the same, they react less negatively towards it. But the idea that um, this morning I sat in my local park drinking a coffee, trying to read a book, and all I could hear was police sirens. And the park is one of the few places you can go. And I thought to myself, this has to end. This can't just go on. We can't step outside of what was once a lively, vibrant city full of people going about their lives, their dreams, their, you know, trying to achieve their goals and only see police cars on every street corner trying to keep people in place. Um... But yet still people I know when I go, that's 
that's kind of the definition of a police state and um, balk at the idea because people are very much imbued with the idea that it can't happen here, which I understand because for 30 years, most of Europe has un undergone a upward mobility of the of a new emergent middle class, the fall of the Berlin Wall, um, the fall of communism, all these kind of things. But people in Western Europe kind of forgot that all across Eastern Europe, the Second World War didn't end in 1945. It kept going very often until 88, 89, 90 and on. Many of those countries lived under authoritarian regime for the following 40, 50 years. And so the idea that we sleepwalk into a new form of it is mind-numbing to me because this is in our living history. But yet you find when you say those things to people, they just go, ah, come on, Alan. Now, maybe they're right. And maybe I'm missing that pint conversation where a clever friend puts you to rights and goes, come on now, you're being a bit too much. You really are. You got to rein that in a bit. But without that, without that moment, you do dwell on those things. I think it's natural if you dwell on the pessimistic side of life. And what is it to make music? What is it to make music in this time, in this situation? Um, difficult because you're not supposed to meet to rehearse. You know, you're almost completely privy to the algorithm of um, the algorithm of all of the streaming platforms. What is the future for music, for art? Art. Is art now just content creation? Is that really what it's being reduced to? Um, we see that in Barcelona there was a gig with a, I think, some testing mechanism on the day of the gig, and five thousand people allowed into the, into play. Um, the idea that something like that will be happening in Ireland is far, far, far away. In fact, I would encourage most musicians who have to make their money playing live to maybe consider emigrating, because certainly the cautiousness with which this country has approached this. Um, and of course, the disregard for mental health and the arts makes me think that um, something like that, they just wouldn't dare try that in Dublin. And um, I'm coming to the end of my word association here. Coming to the end of my train of thought. Um, do I have any more prose? Any more prose? Well, certain friends have said they valued the time off, the space to think. Um, I'm not so sure I wanted that or needed that. I have certainly had some space and time to think about the implications of where we are. The problem for me is not knowing when that time is over. Um, do you, how do you deal with the fact that maybe that life that you built is actually genuinely over? Or do you just, does it just come back around in March 2022 and somebody goes, okay, you can go back out and tour now and go back and do the thing that gave you agency and indeed the thing that you love and the things that gave you purpose and identity but also the things that are your right and I think that's one of the things that's most dangerous and most disturbing about this entire year is how quickly um, people have welcomed in authoritarianism into their lives but also how quickly they now consider um, just walking in the sun and having a pint by the canal a great privilege it's not a privilege you shouldn't look at things like that in my opinion they should be your rights. You have rights, theoretically, as citizens. Um, of course, I'm pushing buttons there, you know, f with people who would have always stood for those things, but who err on the side of health and safety and this new, I suppose, soft authoritarianism regime. Of course, they'll probably be annoyed at me for saying so. But 
very quickly people welcomed all of this into their lives and now the idea that we have to ask the state or ask someone do are we allowed to travel to the next state are we allowed to travel 10 kilometers 20 kilometers are we allowed to travel the world are we allowed to do all the things that should be our right um, how very quickly we have um, become a nation of sort of auto diktat automatons is that the right word I always say auto didact auto didact one or the other you know what I mean following rules um, essentially how quickly we decided that that's who we were and now just the idea of going to the next state of being told by the state who or who not to hug the state now controls essentially your dating life your sex life you say no it doesn't people are going to continue these things are they if they cannot meet I think very often that's the mantra from people who already have those things in their life sorted who've met someone or whatever else god damn it what am I talking about I think you know what I'm talking about um, episode 50 is just a ramble through word association pros and cons pros and cons a little look at in, at my journey throughout this past year with the podcast um, and I suppose it seemed prescient it seemed timely it seemed to make sense to just sort of look back over some of the buzzwords that I've been using no doubt there's some I've forgotten um, many of you want me to tell more tour stories, more silly, drunken, drug-fueled escapades. And I have many of those stories, but I suppose that the it's felt a little bit out of context because the situation has felt so dark and oppressive that kind of like Saturday night, you know, if, if, Saturday, night, if Saturday night for you belongs to chopping out a line, drinking some whiskey, listening to Wasp... Um, and then you take all of that away, it somehow makes Wasp seem to make less sense. Certainly, listening to all that kind of stuff, to me, it was the same. It's I file it under the same... I suppose it's filed in the same fo folder as um, rock and roll stories and all that kind of thing. But I am going to try and pivot and tell more, um, have more... Um, interviews with other musicians um, there's definitely I've been backlogging them and I've got quite a few coming up um, so episode 50 who knows if I really lost my train of thought there I tried not to like I said the, the scattergun speed metal version 1 will consign that to the history books but episode 50 of Agitators Anonymous was just a little ramble across some of the buzzwords a bit of word association some maybe made sense some maybe didn't but I thank you for being on this strange curious dark journey um, not without its uh, ups and downs mainly downs but some ups and hopefully we can now move towards how shall we say some more um, sunny uplands of optimism Yep, you can have that too. Um, there you go, my friends. Episode 50, Agitators Anonymous. Metal never bends. Take it easy out there.